Before we jump in uh, to the Word of God and the Bible and our message today, I want to uh, encourage you with just a couple of other things, and, uh, and then we'll study our Bibles this morning. So that said, uh, if you're online particularly, this applies to you, but Rachel mentioned as we began the service, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper or communion today, and I am super excited to do that. Uh, we're going to do more than just pass something today. We'll explain it when we get there, but we want to give you the opportunity uh, to experience uh, some gratitude this morning and to prepare our hearts for Thanksgiving. And so, particularly if you're online, you, if, you're, if you don't have elements ready, there's this cool thing you can do. And I hate telling, I, I, almost, I almost don't want to tell you this, but you can pause and then get ready what you need. And uh, I'm not sure I really want you knowing that you can pause and fast forward. <laughs> if you're behind, you can fast forward. If you're live, you can only go backwards. But um, that said, um, you, you might want to pause and get uh, whatever you can find in your pantry and in your fridge uh, that you would have available um, to be able to celebrate the Lord's Supper. So... For those of us in the room, we have what we need, and uh, we'll be there shortly. I want to mention one other thing uh, before we open our Bibles. And if you want to open your Bibles, you, you can go ahead and do that. So it's totally allowed. Luke chapter 7 is where we're going to be in a bit. Uh, Luke chapter 7. But um, I had the privilege this last week to represent you uh, at a gathering of our uh, denominational partners, our missions partners here in the Pacific Northwest. We were gathered up in uh, Washington, Grand Mound area at the Great Wolf Lodge. I uh, did not get in the water slide or the pool or any of that, but uh, we gathered there. Uh, and I was there with probably four or 500 other people. We were celebrating a lot of the things that God was doing uh, in our midst. And um, we got to talk a lot about the different things God is doing. And I wanted to share a couple of highlights. On Friday night, we were led uh, by uh, churches that are in the Pacific Northwest, but worship in uh, Russian. And they're typically Russian-Ukrainian churches. So we know across the world, um, not the people of Russia necessarily, but the country of Russia is at war with the country of Ukraine. And there's quite a bit of devastation going on there. But what you find here in the States is that uh, folks from the Ukraine speak Russian and often worship in churches that worship in Russian. And so there are several churches here in the Pacific Northwest, several of whom helped lead us in worship. And we had many folks there uh, who were from those churches. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful reminder of how, how God is doing the opposite of what the world is doing. Right? Where the world is bringing divide and war and hate, God is bringing together people who are heartbroken over what's happening in their homelands. That said, uh, they shared with us that we got to be a part of supplying a couple of vans to the relief efforts in Ukraine. Uh, through these churches here in the Northwest, they took offerings. Uh, we helped contribute to uh, some of the resource. Uh, when, if you don't know this, when we give, some of what we give, some of what you give every Sunday uh, goes to support missions that happens here in the Pacific Northwest and also around the globe. And so some of those monies went to buy vans that were used to help evacuate women and children in the very early days of the war. 
and now are used to bring supplies in to the country, um, relief supplies, aid, food, water, uh, medical help, all of those kinds of things. And so when you give, we get to be a part of something like that. It's just, it's just very cool to be a part of what God is doing. When I had Randy Adams preach for me a few weeks ago, he shared that we work together to train leaders to start new churches, to strengthen and help our existing churches be healthy and to send and support missionaries throughout the Northwest and the world. We have over 500 churches that participate in our network of churches. We worship in at least 27 different languages every Sunday morning uh, or Sunday night or Thursday night, Friday night, you name it. Uh, when folks gather together. In the last year, we've started 21 new churches together, and from 2013 until now, we've started 188 new churches that in that time period worship in 18 different languages. It's just a beautiful thing to be a part of what God is doing here in the Pacific Northwest and, frankly, around the world. In fact, this time of year, we take an offering that we call our Lottie Moon Christmas offering or our International Missions offering. And this offering is similar in that it supports 3,500 missionaries who serve around the world. And so I'm challenging us to, for $3,500. That would be a dollar for every missionary partner we have serving around the globe. $3,500. Seems pretty doable to me that we would be able to be a part of every missionary that we have as partners around the world. It is good to remember that God is at work, and he's not just at work here in our lives, and certainly he is at work here in our church, but he's at work around the world all the time. And when you think about it, when you see the news around the world, it's heavy, it's, it's, it's overwhelming in a lot of ways. But I'm often reminded that God is still the light in the darkness. We'll celebrate that uh, as we go into the Christmas season. So. With all of that said, uh, I'd invite you to open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 7. Uh, Luke chapter 7. I'm just going to jump in to this parable this morning. We've been in a series called Masterclass. It's a series of, uh, really what we're doing is we're studying the parables of Jesus. He is the master teacher. And today I want to talk about what Jesus teaches us about gratitude particularly as it relates to forgiveness. So this is Luke chapter 7. I'm going to begin reading in verse 36. It says, when one of the Pharisees, and you might remember the Pharisees were a religious uh, subgroup of, uh, of Israel, of, of Jewish folks, they were um, ultra-religious. They were self-righteous in many ways. There were a few of them, a couple of them we know of, who became followers in Jesus Christ. You would remember uh, maybe Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, uh, Nicodemus in John chapter 3, uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus um, buried the body of Jesus. Um, later, you might remember there was a Pharisee, a guy named Saul, who absolutely hated Christians, hated new churches, did everything he could to squash out Christianity when it was in its infancy stages, became a believer in Jesus and became, in his day, one of the strongest advocates for Jesus Christ. So when one of the, that's just background on who these Pharisees are. When, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, I think here's the reason I was pointing that out. 
Our world tends to live as though there are, there's those who are with us and those who are against us. So there's our folks and there's our enemies. Do you see that thinking in the world all the time? That sort of polarized thinking? Jesus entered into the world and made friends of enemies. Jesus entered into our world and died to turn enemies into friends who would love each other. It's important we get that. Of course, Jesus died to save us from our sins, but in the process, he's transforming our hearts. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life, that's an interesting phrase, she lived a sinful life as though every other person who lived in that town didn't live a sinful life. As though the Pharisee whose house Jesus was at didn't live a sinful life. Luke's point is not that all these other folks didn't live a sinful life. His point is that everybody in town knew of this woman's sinful life. She had a reputation. This woman learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. And so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. It would have been worth quite a bit. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them. In fact, this is the same kept on kissing them that the father in the prodigal son story we talked about the last few weeks that the father did with the son, the, the same repeated action in the past. She kept on kissing his feet and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who'd invited him saw this, he said to himself, kind of interesting that Luke knows he said this to himself, but he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. If only this man were a prophet, he would know. I assure you, he knew. He also knew what kind of sinner Simon the Pharisee was. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. And so he tells him a story. And this is often what Jesus does, right? Story with a point. Tell me, teacher. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii. That's, that's, that's 500 days wages. So like a couple of years worth of wages. And the other owed him 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them do you think would love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Jesus answered, you have judged correctly. Notice that prior to this story, Simon the Pharisee judged incorrectly about whether Jesus were a prophet. And frankly, he judged incorrectly as he judged this woman in her sinfulness. 
I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. So he turned toward the woman, Jesus did, and he said to Simon. He turns to her, but he's speaking to Simon. Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. Custom of that day would have said that the host was supposed to do that. Right? Remember, they went everywhere in uh, sandals. Feet were dirty. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wept my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but from the time, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Do you think that would have stung? Should have. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? You know, it would be like God's realm to forgive sins. And they're going, does this guy, is he saying he's God? Well, if we want to judge correctly, yes. Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Her faith was in Jesus. Notice he had not died for her sins yet. But she believed he was her savior. It's an interesting parable for me. It says a lot about forgiveness, and I've taught a lot about forgiveness in recent weeks, and so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, but I want to make sure you're just aware Jesus died to forgive all of our sins. Jesus died to forgive all of our sins. Jesus died to forgive all of our sins. All of us, not just the self-righteous, which is a sin in and of itself, not just those who are a little better and those who are a little worse, all of our sins. And so the question I want to ask you this morning, particularly if you claim to be a Christian, is a key question, have I forgotten how much I've been forgiven? Have I forgotten how much I've been forgiven? Christians, we have this tendency, it's very easy to fall into this sort of trap where we begin to think like, oh, I'm a pretty good person now. Well, I, you know, I, I used to do that sin thing. Use, use, yeah, I, yeah, I still... If I ever think to myself, I never sin anymore, 
I've got a lot of pride going on, which is in and of itself. Plus, I'm not being honest with myself, right? How many, how many sins have I committed in, in my declaring in any public fashion that I'm not a sinner anymore? Or that I don't sin anymore? Have I forgotten how much I've been forgiven? And it, it points me to the, to the one thing I want to make a point of today, to the one thing this message is about, is this essentially, that life and even religion can cause me to tune out but gratitude only happens when I tune in. Jesus told this man that, how do you say it? Her many sins have been forgiven as her great love is shown. Whoever's been forgiven loves little. Right after Jesus had pointed out how little this Pharisee had done for Jesus when he entered in. He didn't do the customary. He didn't greet him with a kiss. It would have been customary to do that. It would have been a good hosting to do that. I don't know. Maybe the Pharisee was too busy cleaning the house. You know, we do that Thanksgiving, right? Everybody's coming over for Thanksgiving, so what do we do? Right? We're so busy cleaning to have everybody over, and when they show up, we're like, oh, oh just wait there. We got more to do. This parable is about more than gratitude, but it reminds me greatly that gratitude comes from tuning in to how much I've been forgiven. And that's what I want to help you do this morning. The woman clearly is tuned in. You can see that in the story, right? I mean, she is brokenhearted, and from the get-go, she is at the feet of Jesus, a position of submission, a place of worship. She is crying, she is weeping, she is kissing his feet, and she is cleaning his feet with her hair. Can you think of something more personal? She is deeply tuned in. This woman who has a reputation in town of being a sinner, and everybody knows she's a sinner. And you can probably guess her sins. So I asked myself, if I'm not very tuned in, if, if he who's forgiven little loves little, and frankly, I've been forgiven a lot, but if I'm not tuned into it, What is it in life that makes me tune out? This helps me think about how to truly have a heart of thanksgiving and a week of thanksgiving. Gratitude only happens when I tune in. Why do I tune out? I thought, well, let's look at Simon in the story. He's throwing a dinner party. You got to get the house ready. You got to, you know, there's all this stuff. You got the food to prep. You to, we don't know how much of it Simon was doing himself, but there's all of the party details going on. And he's not just throwing a party for anyone, just anyone. He's, he has a dinner party and he invites Jesus of Nazareth, who is the most outspoken, the most controversial, the most rumored about and talked about man of his day. A man who claims to forgive sin. A man who everybody says, we think he's the prophet. 
Simon, of course, sitting there thinking, if he were a prophet, he'd know what a sinful woman this was. So Simon's throwing a dinner party. He's got busyness down. Busyness certainly keeps me from tuning in. He's got a hard heart. I and mean, if I can be blunt, I think Simon's thinking to himself, this woman's a great sinner and I'm not one at all. He's got a hard heart. He thinks, I don't need forgiveness. He's likely full of ego, and he's playing the comparison game. He's very self-focused. Notice the, excuse me, she's a sinful person, dot, 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 and I'm not as bad as her. At some level, that's just insecurity. Insecurity is driven by, I feel better about myself because I think I'm better than this person. See, I've got to tear you down for me to be built up. And it's not about building me up. It's about lowering you below me so that I don't have to change at all and I can just feel better about myself. And that's frankly just pride and insecurity. And, and if you don't know it, pride and insecurity are two sides of the same coin because they're both consumed with self. When we go down the, oh, poor me, oh, oh, awful me, 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 me. My life's not fair. So he's hosting Jesus, but he's not serving Jesus. And his heart is filled with likely busyness and hard-heartedness and ego and pride and insecurity. And the parable was not really targeted at her was targeted at Simon, if you really think about it, right? So that Simon could now see why she was anointing Jesus' feet with her tears and why she was cleaning his feet with her hair. And having been publicly, right, he welcomed Jesus. He didn't welcome him well, but he had Jesus into his home, is rebuked by Jesus essentially in front of everybody else, and Luke records nothing that would tell us that Simon said something like, oh, I get your point. Or, you're right, I'm a sinful man too. Or, will you forgive my sins? Just if you're a scorekeeper, which religions, religions about scorekeeping, grace and mercy are not at all about scorekeeping. But if you're keeping score, the ultra-religious man who should have everything God offers, who would tell society that he is everything God offers, does not have his sins forgiven at the end of the day. And the very unreligious woman, who everybody knows her sins, is told by Jesus that her faith has saved her. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So Simon's home is not left in peace, but her life is left in peace. 
which does tell us Jesus didn't come to just forgive our sins. He came to transform our lives, right? This isn't I'm forgiven so I can go back to my sin and just keep eating at the poison well. Jesus points me to a different life. But all of this time, this woman who has an awareness of our sins, she won't even come in front of Jesus. She stays behind Jesus, and she is weeping, and she is kissing his feet. She is likely aware. How could she not be aware of the judgment of everybody else in the room? But the only person in the room that mattered was the one she came to see. would have been scandalous for her to even show her face in this room, at least societally speaking, and she knew that, and she went anyway. And she leaves with an awareness of forgiveness, an awareness of the peace blessing given to her life, and an awareness that her faith has saved her. So I want to make you, I want to ask you to make time to tune in. In fact, I'm going to run through the rest of the outline here in just a second. I'm going to do that fairly fast. And we're going to take time to work on some gratitude this morning. You good with that? But I don't want your, your, your work on gratitude to end here today. Because I want to encourage you to spend the week between now and the day we all go nuts cooking 400 things and all those Thanksgiving decorations, you know, we got to put up. I want us to spend the week tuning in when the world will do everything it can to push us to tune out. So really quickly, I just wrote in my notes, let's start with the obvious. I need to tune into how much I've been forgiven. If I've forgotten how much I've been forgiven, I don't really like to go back and think about my sins over the years, right? God has separated them as far as the east is from the west, right? They're dumped into the sea. They are separated from me. They are forgiven. But perhaps it's good for me. to remember the cumulative forgiveness and the cumulative grace of God that's at work in my life. I need to tune into how much I've been forgiven. Number two, I, need, I, I could spend a good bit of time this week tuning into the life change that I've forgotten. Tuning into the life change I've forgotten. Has there been any work of Jesus in your life just humor me here, say yes. Yeah, just, is there, it, it, have you experienced I once was lost, but I now am found. I once was blind, but now I see. Yes, Jesus forgives our sins, but he works 
a whole host of life change rooted in his love and his grace and his mercy and compassion. And all of this change that's happened in my life hasn't happened because I'm just that good of a dude. If my life has changed for good at all, I need to be tuned into that and the work of Jesus that has changed me. Does this make sense? I need to tune into how much I've been forgiven. I need to tune into the life change that I've forgotten. I need, number three, to tune in to what Jesus thinks of me above the noise of what everyone else thinks. I know a couple of things about us in our insecurities. One, we think more about ourselves than any other human being walking the planet right now ever does. You know, we spend an entire... How much energy do we spend worrying about what somebody else thinks of me? I mean, would you say it's a little bit of energy or a lot of mental energy? You're allowed to talk. I know it doesn't seem like it, but... Yeah, way too much, right? We spend an insane amount of energy worried about what everybody else thinks of me when I'm going to just give you a harsh reality. They're so self-consumed, they're generally not thinking about you at all. Maybe if you're like a football star then people spend some time thinking about you a week later and how that game went a week ago versus how that game went last night, you know? But, but generally speaking, what? <laughs> yeah. Generally, most people are not thinking about me. And the miracle of all miracles is that Jesus actually is. But we let our souls be driven by the perception of what everybody else thinks about me. So think about this woman. Her reputation is not good. And some of that might have justification behind it. And some of that is probably, frankly, overblown by the gossip that goes around town. And she enters into a house where she will not be welcomed, where she will be judged intensely, but she cares only about an audience of one. And maybe this week I need to tune in to what Jesus thinks of me rather than all that emotional energy I spend on what everybody else thinks of me. Does this make sense? Tune in. Tune into how much I've been forgiven. Tune into the life change that I've forgotten. Tune into what Jesus thinks of me above the noise. And that's all it really is. When other people are thinking about us and there's reputation stuff and there's blah, 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 blah. It's just, it's, it's, it's noise. What God thinks of me is what matters. And number four, I need to tune into the fact that Jesus even loves me at all, at all, Jesus loves me. It's personal. 
We'll see this when we get to Christmas season. But I was there when he was born. I was there when he died. I was on his mind. Jesus loves me. Like, that's radical. It's life-transforming. Not just that there is a God, but that he entered this world to love me? And of course, you realize, yeah, 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 yeah. He, Jesus loves everybody. It's kind of like we go, we discount it, right? Like, well, yeah, 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 but Jesus loves everyone. Like, he doesn't have a choice. Oh, he has a choice. Oh, he has a choice. And his choice is love. Let me go one slight step further, and then I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper. When we're spending all that mental energy on what other people think of us and our reputation and how other people perceive us and what the media says, I'm back to the coach thing, I think, what the media says about us. and what. Do you know the person who usually beats me up the most? Do you know who that is? <laughs> My wife is very gracious to me. Can you and I stand here today, realistically? I mean, if, if we just had like open mic night, open night, open mic morning. If we were honest, could we give testimony to the litany of ways we beat ourselves up because we know our sins? That's not a bad thing to tune into. Because in me, it produces, I hope, an insane amount of gratitude for what Jesus has done on that cross. For what Jesus has done that we will talk about as we take communion. You know, I mean, I've told you this before, but, but words like grace and joy and thanksgiving share the same root in the Greek language, in the original language. The, the word for joy is kara. The word for grace is charis. And the word for thanksgiving is eucharisteo, like the Eucharist, which is what some call what we'll do today. It's all an expression of gratitude. For his grace. I'd give you one other application. I don't think I put this in your notes, but I did put it in mine. I think I want to work on finding ways this week to express gratitude that are more than words. I mean, look at what the woman did, right? She wept, she submitted, she was at his feet, she worshiped, she kissed them, she cleaned his feet. You remember the story where Jesus washed the disciples' feet and then he told us that we're supposed to go do as he has done. Maybe there are ways this week that I need to express some gratitude and action 
and not just words. And what will those actions be in your life this week? What will they be in mine? I want to pray for us, and then we're going to take time to celebrate the Lord's Supper. I always end our services with two prayers. You guys know that. The first, a prayer of salvation. The second, a prayer of application. If Jesus has become real to you this morning, and for the first time, you're saying, Jesus actually loves me, I need that. I need that forgiveness. You can receive it right here, right now. You can pray with me just like this, even online. You pray, dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for my sins. Please forgive them. I put my faith in you. I ask you to take over my life. Be my God. And change my heart. Jesus, fill me every day with this gratitude I feel I'm experiencing right now. Change me, Jesus, and make me more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you and you receive Jesus for the very first time, Man, I'd love to know that. We celebrate that in big ways around here, and I would love to celebrate that with you. But I can't do that if I don't know, so tell me or tell a friend, tell somebody you're sitting by. Um, you can email me. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at harvestchurcheugene.com. You can fill out a communication card or a digital communication card. Just let somebody know. A lot of you made a decision like that days ago, years ago, decades ago. Maybe you're tuning in this morning and you want to pray this prayer of tuning in, this prayer of application with me. We pray it, if you would, like this. Dear Jesus, thank you for all the forgiveness that you've given me. And I ask that you forgive me for all the things I've forgotten. and all the ways I've been forgiven. Jesus, thank you for this church, <laughs> this people and place of grace. And thank you for this opportunity to worship you now. As I take your body broken for me and your blood spilled for me, Help me to tune in. And all this week, help me to tune in to you and tune in to others that my life would be full of gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So we're going to do the supper a little differently today. Do you, do you want to talk about that? you want me to talk about that? Oh, okay. Do you want me to do it? Either way, okay. I'm good. I'll do it. All right. <laughs> um, so we have a new song that we're going to sing while communion happens. So we're going to be playing it and singing it. The, there's communion stations around the room. There's the one here and the one in the back are not gluten-free. This one is gluten-free, the small table. There's also cards on the table. And so when you come up... Um, 
in your own time, whenever you feel led, you can come up as a family, you can come up and grab it and take it back to your seat, however you want to do that, but also grab one of those cards, take that back to your seat, and then write down um, maybe a Bible verse that you're thankful for, or write out a thankful prayer, and then tape them on the back wall, the big open space back there, and there's tape on that back table, so you can do that during this song as well. Um, and you can sit and just meditate on the words, you can pray, you can sing along. Uh, we just want this time to be kind of just slow down, you know, reflect on what this means and just prepare our hearts for um, this thankful season. Rachel, I just want to make sure I get this right. You're saying I'm supposed to get up, move around the room, nobody's like bringing have, it to you me? You have to get up, you just have oh. to walk. Wow. We won't be watching you. We're looking at our music because we don't know this <laughs> song very well. And those lights are bright enough they can't see you anyway, I promise. <laughs> 